0: All right, so let's pray and jump in to week two of This Is Us as we talk about this story from Acts chapter 8, Philip and the Ethiopian. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to stop and soak in your word and, and dwell in it. We ask God that the word would wash over us as we explore the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. We ask that you would come and pour your spirit out so that we may acknowledge and understand what it means to live a life in the Spirit, influenced and led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Come and speak now. Let us hear what it is you want each of us to hear, both individually and as a community, as a body of Christ. We ask this in your name and open our hearts to hear all that you have to say. In your name we pray together, amen and amen. As I said, we're in the second week of our This Is Us series, and if you were here last week or if you've been listening to the podcast, the This Is Us series is basically this way, is about this. It's a a detailed study of the book of Acts where over an eight-week time frame, we're taking one story on the weekend, on Sunday mornings, and we're focusing in, we're zooming in on it to try to glean from it what we feel like God is teaching us as a church, And then there's a companion story that is taught and shared through the small groups through the week. So by the end of the eight weeks, we've got two stories per week, which makes how many total stories? You didn't think you were going to have to do math at church this morning, did you? It's 16 stories from the book of Acts. And why are we studying the book of Acts in such a way? Mainly because the book of Acts is the story of the first Christian church exploding, blooming, blossoming into the body of Christ that God called and made it to be. And so we're taking a time, a season for the church's fall to focus in on what that looked like for them so that we can learn from them and hopefully apply some of the principles that God has shared in those stories with us as a brand new church. The main reason being is Trinity as a church body now has four campuses. And just a few years ago, There was only one. So we are a growing family. That's kind of what we talked about a little bit last week. This week, we're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit, being led and guided by the very Spirit of God. And so as we get into this and study Philip and the Ethiopian, we're going to take a little bit closer look at how the Holy Spirit interacts with his leaders and with new people who are coming into the faith. Now, if you're listening by podcast, you cannot see the screen that my brothers and sisters are looking at. And they're looking at a map of the Middle East. Can you just point to Saudi Arabia, if you can see Saudi Arabia? Point to it. It's kind of hard to miss. It's right there in the middle of the screen, right? But then look to your left and see Sudan, right across the Red Sea. And of course, the Red Sea is where what happened? It was parted. And the, the, you know, and, and the Israelites crossed over on dry land, right? So you see Sudan there to the left, you see Egypt to the north of Sudan, just above it, and below Sudan, you see present-day Ethiopia. But the Ethiopia you see on the screen is not the same Ethiopia that we're talking about when we're talking about the Ethiopian eunuch. Actually, right there in the middle of Sudan, if you kind of look at the middle and then look a little bit to the right, as you approach the Red Sea, That area would have been the Ethiopia that we're talking about today. The Ethiopian eunuch was the treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia. So he was a very important person. He was a VIP in her court because he was the guy who managed the what? He managed the money. So how high up on the hierarchy of importance do you think this guy was? He was like right next to the queen which made him very important and made him very influential in her court, wouldn't you say? If this guy said something, how many people would be tempted to listen to it? Probably a lot, because he was an important official in her court. So what was happening was uh, this guy was making his way from where he lived in Ethiopia all the way up from about right here all the way up the coast and across to where Jerusalem was, about right here. And the reason I'm showing you this larger map and the smaller map to the right of it, if you're listening by podcast, we are now zooming in on the area that encompasses Jerusalem, the whole area of Judea. The reason we're focusing in on that is because this gentleman, the Ethiopian eunuch, he was actually up in Jerusalem worshiping. Now, how far did he have to travel to get to Jerusalem to worship? Pretty far. It'd be about like us taking a chariot from here to Clearwater, Florida. Really far. Something like that, just exceedingly far to go. But he was going to participate in the festivals there in Jerusalem because he was a believer, probably a brand new believer, and was going up to Jerusalem to worship. And when we say up, What we're saying is up and over across Egypt and into what we call the Holy Land. So he was in Jerusalem worshiping. And then if you look to the map to the right, he was actually coming back down what is called the Desert Road. The Desert Road is where he would have been traveling back home on this desert road on the way from Jerusalem. So he was leaving Jerusalem headed south. And then... Our guy uh, Philip enters the story because he was in Jerusalem serving the new church and the scripture says that he actually traveled up north. If you see where those black arrows point, up north of Jerusalem is Samaria. That's where Philip was serving when he got the call. Now Philip didn't get a call on his cell phone. He did not get a text, a message on Facebook. He didn't even get smoke signals. He heard from the Holy Spirit. Now I don't know about you, but when you hear the words, he heard from the Holy Spirit, that brings up a lot of questions, doesn't it? What is it like to hear from the Holy Spirit? When we hear from the Holy Spirit, is it God talking in our ear? Can we hear an audible voice? Do we get some kind of an indication? Somewhere, somehow, that God is speaking? How do we know that the Holy Spirit is talking? Have you ever heard from the Holy Spirit? And if you have, would you ever admit it? Oh, I heard the Holy Spirit talking while I was at lunch today. Would you ever admit that to your co-workers, to your friends, to your family? What would they think of you if you did? What would they say? Well, the idea becomes this. The Holy Spirit speaks in a variety of ways. And in this particular instance, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit spoke through an angel. Now, what's an angel? An angel could be a little fat baby with wings. One of those cherubs that you buy at the trinket store down in the middle of of town where you go shopping for a gift for somebody. An angel could be one of those all powerful beings that the Old Testament talks about that comes and slays hundreds of thousands of people, a dreadful being. An angel could be a figment of your imagination or like a fairy, like a Disney fairy. In our culture, an angel could mean all kinds of things. But one thing's for sure in the scripture If you look at the original concept behind the word, the word means messenger. It could be a holy messenger who is either an actual angel, a spiritual being, or it could be somebody who is preaching, teaching, or leading, sharing the word of God. In the scripture, both renderings of angel exist. It could have been that Philip was listening to somebody preaching, teaching, or leading where he was in Samaria, serving and heard a clear call that he needed to proceed south along the desert road. We honestly just don't know. We don't know how he heard that call, that voice. It could have been that way or it could have been in a dream. It could have been where he got an intuition about leaving Samaria and heading south. But one thing's for sure, we do know, as you can see on the screen, Philip went up into Samaria and then he heard the call and then he turned which way? South, came back down to Jerusalem and by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, traveled all that way to go into an area of the desert where he didn't have a clear destination. He literally was called by the Holy Spirit to travel out of the middle of somewhere, and he didn't know what the outcome of that call was going to be. It's kind of like when Abram was called in Genesis chapter 12. If you remember that story at all, Abram was called by God to go to a place that God would tell him. Basically, God said to Abram, leave your home and go to a place where I will show you. Now, what does that sound like to you? To us, that would be like us taking, taking off down the Stevenson headed towards St. Louis or somewhere and literally not knowing where we were going to go. But simply being prompted by the Holy Spirit, get up from where you are and do what? Go. So the predominant message to Philip, like it was to Abram, was get up out of where you are and go. And the getting up out of where he was and going was the point, wasn't it? Because that required one thing. What was it? Faith. It required faith that God would have a point to the other end of the destination. And so for Philip in particular, we, cl- we honestly just don't know what that angel form looked like. It could have been a dream or, or a sermon or, or a conversation over a glass of wine for all we know but somehow the Holy Spirit spoke to him and so today we're going to explore a little bit more how the Holy Spirit talks to us we know that Philip in particular was not a newbie he was not a rookie at listening to the Holy Spirit in fact the Holy Spirit would have prompted him to go up to Samaria and teach in the first place Samaria it was not like Jerusalem in Samaria uh, the Jewish faith was Uh, In contention with Sumerians, they were kind of enemies to each other. So he was going to a place that could have been hostile to teach the gospel. He was used to listening to the Holy Spirit's guidance. But we know for a fact that Philip was listening to the Holy Spirit when he took off for the desert. Because the desert was not a real destination. It was not a place where you could identify, say on the map, you can point to Gaza You know, the Holy Spirit didn't tell him to go to Gaza. The Holy Spirit simply told him, get up and go and get on the road, the desert road that is headed toward Gaza. And little did Philip know at that time, he was going to have a divine appointment with the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, we talked about how the Ethiopian was an important person. Uh, We know this is true because he served the queen of Ethiopia, who was also an important person. We also know this to be true because he was riding in a chariot, which was a wealthy person's mode of transportation. The average person could not ride in a chariot. So he had this chariot, and Philip was supposed to go and join himself to the chariot. The scripture says that Philip was supposed to go and be close to the chariot. And if you look at the word in the original language, it's actually kind of funny because it means attach to. It literally means Philip was supposed to go find this guy with this chariot. Once he got on the desert road, the Holy Spirit led him to find this guy with the chariot and literally glue himself to the chariot. He was supposed to attach himself to the chariot in such a way that he was that close in an intimate conversation with the person. Now, had Philip ever met the Ethiopian eunuch before? Nope. Was he a neighbor of Philip's? Not even close. We've demonstrated that on the map, haven't we? He was completely separated from this guy in the beginning, and yet the Holy Spirit had a divine appointment for him along that road, the desert road to Gaza. And so we find Philip attaching himself to this chariot and getting to know the Ethiopian eunuch in such a way that he would make a meaningful connection in the Holy Spirit and here's how that works. Here's the predominant way in which that works. The Ethiopian eunuch was reading something. What was he reading? Do you remember from the story? He was reading the book of Isaiah, wasn't he? Which is their scripture. He was reading the book of Isaiah, and he was reading a particular reading that applied to one particular person that he didn't understand who that was. He didn't know who that scripture was referring to. And in that moment, Philip explained to him that the good news of Jesus is that Jesus suffered and died. Now, to the average person, a story of suffering and death is not good news, is it? But the good news of Jesus includes... If you look at your scripture, look at Acts chapter eight and the story of Philip and the eunuch, look at the scripture that was referred to there out of Isaiah. There is suffering referred to in the scripture. And when that happens, Jesus suffers and dies and then does what? Rises again. And so Philip was able to share with the Ethiopian eunuch that idea that the person that the scriptures referred to is Jesus. And Jesus not only suffered and died as was predicted in Isaiah, but the best news of all is that he rose again for you and for me and for all. And the Ethiopian eunuch needed to hear the good news that day and when he heard that good news, he was incited to take the next step of his faith for him that was being baptized. And he asked the question of Philip, is there any reason why I shouldn't be baptized? Don't I have to go to Bible class first? Don't I have to start tithing first? Don't I have to stop cussing first? Don't I have to quit drinking first? Don't I have to quit getting tattoos and uh, and going on vacation first? Don't I have to quit yelling at my kids first? Don't I have to quit getting mad first? Don't I have to quit failing at work first? Don't I have to quit running red lights first? Don't I have to quit speeding on the expressway first? Don't I have to quit being less than Jesus first? And Philip said, there's no reason why you shouldn't be baptized. In fact, if you will pull your chariot over right here, there's some water. And we're gonna go down, and we're gonna apply the word of God to this water. And he said, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. And the eunuch would go under the water and come back up again, which meant that he was buried with Christ, and then what? He rose again. And from that moment forward, never to experience death, again. Ever, ever again. Not death or its effects. And so there was no reason why the Ethiopian eunuch could not be everything that God called him and made him to be. And it's the same for you and it's the same for me. That is why we study this story. That's why we have it. You know what's interesting about this story and and what happened at the end is that. The scripture says a spirit called Philip away again. And we often wonder what does that look like? Did Philip just get whisked away like in a great cloud of of fury from heaven and just taken up like Elijah was and deposited somewhere else? No, he probably just heard the call that his work was done at that time and it was time for him to move on to the next place that God had called him. We don't know anything about this place where he went, Azotus, we don't know what he did there in any great detail in the context of this story. And in this story, it doesn't matter. What we hear from this and what we receive are that the Holy Spirit works in ways that we can understand, accept, and enjoy. Here's what that looks like. The Holy Spirit works through the Word of God. When we study the Word of God, when we read it, when we share it with each other, the Holy Spirit is speaking. You literally are loading the banks of your mind with the Word when you read it, and the Holy Spirit comes and grabs that Word in your mind and brings it through your thought process in your heart and out your mouth. He literally latches on and takes that Word and makes it into something that's active, living, like a double-edged sword, the scripture says, dividing uh, the joints and marrow. The the, The Holy Spirit takes the Word and works through it. So whenever we read our scriptures, what we're doing is arming the Holy Spirit with something that He can use, something that He takes and makes active in the world and changes lives forever with. He also works through circumstances where the circumstances of our life set us up to reach out to God, The scripture says elsewhere, as we bind together and reach out to God, we find Him there because He's not far from any one of us. The scripture says that He is close, that He's intimate, and He's there. So that when circumstances come across our desk, when we experience things that are challenging, the Holy Spirit takes that circumstance and uses it to grow our faith. He does something with it. He changes us because of it and through it. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit works through each other. This might sound obvious based on the story we just shared, but think about it. Think about a time when you said something to somebody else, a word of encouragement, and then you asked yourself later, where did that come from? That came from the Holy Spirit. When you encouraged somebody and you didn't know where the words came from and you know it wasn't you, that came from the Holy Spirit. Likewise, When somebody said something to you that was timely and in the moment and could not have been a more perfect word, that kind of stuff happens by the power of the Holy Spirit working through them to speak to you and to me. The Holy Spirit, just like the Word of God, is living and active. He's not Casper the Friendly Ghost. He works in you and me. He is our greatest gift. And when we come to the waters of baptism, we believe two major things happen in our lives. One, the forgiveness of sins is granted, and two, we receive the gift of the what? The Holy Spirit. So does the Holy Spirit work in your every, every work day workaday life? Yes, He works in every day. He works in every aspect. Whether you're at home, work, school, whether you're hanging out with the neighbors. Having fun, when you're with family at Christmas time, when you're with people that you don't even like, the Holy Spirit is there and He is at work. That is one of our greatest gifts as the Church of Jesus. Would you agree with that? Have you ever felt the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? If you have, you know what we're talking about here today, right? You know He's real. Would you join me in prayer and let's let's just open our hearts to let the Holy Spirit shine on us in a new way. God is always growing us. He's always challenging us. He's always raising us up. Let's ask him to do that a little bit more yet today. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and meet me right where I am. Holy Father, I submit every inch of my heart to you, the dark places of my heart along with the parts of me that have been illuminated by your good news. I submit those dark places to you, those places in which I don't measure up to your greatness. And I realize by the power of the Holy Spirit that that is what you intended so that your strength and your power might shine. It's like John the Baptist once said, I must decrease so that you can increase. And so in my weakness, God, I know you are strong. Let the Holy Spirit shine on a new part of me, a new corner of my heart, a part that is darkened by myself or my sin or my flesh or the world, a new part that will be opened up and illuminated in the light of your Holy Spirit. Let that part be yours, that part of me, so that I might be claimed by you and be 100% yours through the sacrifice of my Lord, a Jesus on the cross when he not only chose death but by the power of your spirit came back to life father i praise you and i thank you and i love you i confess to you and lay down all that i am for you and ask that you come and make me yours again in your name we pray and together we say amen and amen